Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh man, somebody uh, was listening to Don Miller with our traffic report. I guess there was a report of a Tesla on fire on Tesla Road. What? Oh no, that's not true. Is it really? I didn't hear the traffic report this time around. That would be great. The irony. I saw over the weekend that like uh, uh, thousands of Teslas are getting recalled for uh, issues with the self-driving. So could have something to do with that. I saw that too. I think all of them. (laughs) If there came in one uh, in one particular model uh, and make and year. Actually, my son's car caught on fire out there near Tesla one time. Tesla wasn't there yet, but. Ironically, it just caught on fire out there, too. <laughs> what was the cause of the car fire? Uh, lack of oil in the car. Oh, yeah. It was, a, it was an old car that I gave him, and I, yeah. it had an oil leak. And I was like, Griffin, until we get the, the oil leak fixed, make sure you're putting oil in there consistently. Oh, and uh, he didn't. So I, got a, I was actually in a meeting at the station, and I get the call. Hey, Dad, my car's on fire. <laughs> Like what? Uh, excuse me. What? What did you say there? My car. And I can tell he was outside somewhere. The wind was blowing or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, where are you? And I had to haul ass out there. And of course, I'm getting close up on the outdoor towards Tesla on the tollway, and I see the smoke. And I get wow. stuck in the traffic. Did he have to call the fire department? To, to oh, the yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I saw a car on fire actually when I was running one morning. Fortunately, and he was okay. Yeah. He got, all his, he got his books out of the back seat, and you know. Wow. That's kind of scary though. Yeah. That's scary, man. Yeah. I had, a, I had a friend in college who did that, too. He, he basically didn't change the oil for a long time in his car. He ended up caught catching on fire. <laughs> it'll happen. It'll happen. You can't just Eventually neglect that kind happen. of stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You can't neglect that kind of stuff, man. There's a reason you got to get it done. Speaking of, I probably need to get my oil changed. Glad you reminded me. I did mine, yes. Last week, because we had yeah. to go to Denton this weekend. And, that uh, needs to happen. Watch my daughter graduate, which yeah. is quite a quite a cool weekend. I might do that today. It says, I've separated my ribs from my spine twice while oh. sneezing. Oh, <gasps> Oh, just the thought of that. My like, ribs from my spine. Oh, that's my man Dale. Dale, that hurts, brother. Dale, how? You, your sneezes are that powerful? You have some powerful sneezes, man. She says, my wife always holds her nose shut. I tell her she's going to hurt herself. Thanks for the story so I could tell her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you can't. I understand, like, not trying to sneeze on people, but, man, don't try to hold it in. Your yeah. body is not designed to hold in a sneeze. Something's going to tear. Yeah, it's exactly right. Like, it's not designed to hold it in. You're... Oh, man, there are a lot of things that could tear when you think about it. So you don't want to hold that in. <laughs> uh, top story today, obviously, is the Texas volleyball team back-to-back national champions. Back they beat uh, they beat the assumed champion. You know, in some sports, there's, you know, there's kind of the assumed champion all year, right? Football, there's a lot of parody. But, you know, a lot of times, we haven't, well, and even college basketball now, we're not sure who's going to win the national championship year to year. But there's some, a lot of times there's a prohibitive favorite, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, and volleyball this year, Nebraska was the prohibitive favorite uh, to win the national championship. Then they went 33-1, and and yesterday they got dominated by Texas. Dominated, Ron. Like just whipped. Whipped. Like, they, like Old Testament style. Like stole their – They broke the brooms out on them. Snatched their soul yeah. away from them. No, it was – yeah. Uh, which, you know, you're expecting to tune in and see this on ABC yesterday, which props to uh, ABC and Disney. This was a, a nationally televised big ABC. I know. It's upsetting because there's like a dispute with my cable company. and I was, Oh, you couldn't see it? No. Wasn't on. Dang. Well, I think it'll like try to stream it. It's upsetting. It, I, that is upsetting. That's still going on in there. Yeah. I have DirecTV. You have Spectrum. No, you have. No, I got uh, U-verse. U-verse. Oh, man. It's upsetting. Terrible. Anyway, Terrible. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you're tuning in. You're going to see this, like, five-set classic 
no, three sets. <laughs> and then, like the last set was like twenty-five to eleven or something. It's like what? Uh, way to go, bra- Nebraska. You almost if you if you if you didn't know anything about volleyball, you're a novice tuning in. You t- you assume like, oh man, maybe Nebraska must be a new power to this thing. And Texas D is your power. No, Nebraska is also a blue blood in volleyball. They're a powerhouse. Well, because I was reading. Uh, because, you know, the story of Texas going into that game was, oh, man, it's been a nice run. They've come all the way mm-hmm. back, but they're going to lose to Nebraska. Nebraska's, you know, been coordinated to win this thing all year long. And not only did Texas win, then the coach for Nebraska got a little petty afterwards and talked about Texas in the portal and transfers. We'll play that for you coming up, and, and it's, it's, like, pretty irritating. But either way, props to the ladies. How about the uh, the volleyball courtside? Sergio Garcia courtside. Jermaine O'Neal, of course, his daughter is Asia O'Neal, yeah. who had a bunch of aces yesterday. She was unbelievable. Star-studded affair there. And Dominican Sue was there. Sue was there? Sue was there, yeah. Nice. Watching the, the porn Oscars. Sue? That's pretty good. Yeah, thanks to the, the texter who sent us the pictures of the courtside uh, folks. But, yeah, that Asia O'Neal story is so, you know, it's such a, you know, she had a heart procedure in 2020. She was told um, that she should stop playing volleyball. Uh, but she saw uh, second and third opinions, and she kept playing. And now she's not just a one-time; she's a two-time national champion. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. And they, like I said, congrats to the ladies. Uh, we saw my man CB. Shout out to him. He sent us the uh, tweet from John Bianco because we were wondering how often does a Texas sports uh, program end up winning back-to-back national titles? Turns out, volleyball is the ninth. Uh, they become the ninth team. Shout out to John Bianco at UT underscore Bianco, who says Texas volleyball becomes the ninth Texas Longhorn program to ever win back-to-back national titles, joining Texas baseball, which did it. Texas football has done it. Men's golf has also done it. Um, and men's swimming and diving. But the ladies have been representing because they got volleyball. They got rowing. Also swimming and diving for the ladies. They got tennis and track and field. So five of those nine are from uh, the ladies' side of the athletic department. So shout out to the women, man, doing their thing. Coming up, we'll have absolutely. Um, and, and you know what? The, the, the funny part is it was only a couple, 18 months ago, we were talking about all the success in the Longhorn uh, Athletic Department with Crystal Conti and the back-to-back Directors' Cups. And, I mean, the funny story of, remember, when the, before the, the calendar year started, you know, CBCDC got all the coaches together mm-hmm. and they had a big, you know, leadership powwow. And the joke was that, you know, Sark had to go sit over in the, the corner to the kids' table, right? I mean, because all the championship coaches were yeah. over here. Yep. And Sark <laughs> had to go sit over at the kids' table. <laughs> You're right about that. Yeah, this is the first year that, that football's pulling, basically kind of pulling their weight. Yeah. And it's I mean, like, they've been winning them Directors' Cups without football. Yeah. Hey, let's put the champions over at this table. Yeah. And then, Sark, you go sit over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Ed, you're right about that, and that's, that's – Because well, David Pearson baseball have won some Big 12 championships. They've been in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball, of course, Roddy Terry nearly had them at the Final Four, and they won the Big 12 tournament, and so Big 12 championship. And it's like, everybody over here, Sark, you go sit over there. Go sit over there, Go man. sit over there, Coach. And, and I, you know what? That's mo- – he didn't really have to, but I'm sure for him it was like – Well, it's motivated. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't obviously literally he had to do that, but I think he probably was looking around like, Hold up, all these coaches, I'm the biggest underachiever in this damn group here, right? Exactly. Looking around at some high achievers, um, and now Sark is in that high achieving group with what he's done this year. I did see this, though, because I was trying to figure out how often Texas and Nebraska played. Uh, So prior to this season, um, it says Texas, basically the Huskers and Longhorns, while they were in the Big 12 together until 2011, typically now only play each other in the NCAA tournament. So this is prior to this season. Uh, Texas had won four of the last five matchups with Nebraska and seven of the matchups between the two teams since 95 were in the regional final, which basically is a final four, NCAA semifinals, or in the national championship. So when they meet, 
it's usually for for all the marbles. Uh, so they've uh, basically the last. If you go look at it, Texas, had way more success in this matchup. So maybe that's part. of I don't know how long that uh, coach has been there for Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. I know he ain't been there long enough to obviously experience the entire rivalry. Uh, but they do consider it a rivalry. Nebraska does, and Texas does. And essentially, not only you getting beat by your rival, but they broke out the brooms on you yeah. and whipped you, skunked you. So yeah, that's. I think that's why he's a little petty and a little bitter. Well, and I, we, get, I, I get it. Ty, can we play that uh, cut from the, uh, the the Nebraska head volleyball coach? This is after, and you'll hear the question that he was asked, and it's a fair question, good question from the member of the media. But uh, here's how the answer went, and uh, obviously disappointed, but you know, probably don't need to throw shade at the team that just whooped you. John, in, in what ways has Texas set the bar that you and other teams have to have to match now? I got to think about that, but uh, you know, um, if you look at tonight's nat- match. I mean, they've got. Half their starting team are transfers. They're all fourth and fifth year players, except for Ella, the setter, who did a great job. Um, so they've got, um, you know, that's how they've been building their team. That's how they built last year's team. I like what we're doing. I like recruiting kids and trying to make them be great. So, I mean, that last point, that last part is where it sounds like he's saying, well, they're doing it. Uh, the, in, a, in the wrong way. We're yeah. doing it in the right way. Yeah. So we're going to keep doing it our way. Yeah. I like recruiting kids and making them be great. And it's almost like – Jared Elliott's not doing that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I understand exactly what he's saying. Texas is going about it in a different way. The transfer portal, you know, it's a new era of college sports. And you're not disallowed to use a transfer portal. It's just a different way of roster construction and talent acquisition. And I think it's tougher, honestly. I don't think I know it's tougher to recruit from the transfer portal to Nebraska, no matter what the program is than it is to Texas. Well, with the NIL, sure uh, yeah, obviously with the NIL space that Texas is in right now, they're one of the leaders in the country there. Uh, Austin helps a lot because it's a, an awesome city, a pop culture mecca. Um, and so I, I think, and of course, we've talked about this too with Texas. Texas volleyball team is competitive and they're a championship contender. So I think it's just tougher on that, on that coach and he knows it. You and know. it's not going to get easier, by the way. It's, it's not, not. going to get easier. Well, look, I mean, they, we, we talked about it in the seventh hour. They, Lexi's son was a player at Texas who transferred to Nebraska. Um, so he's taken players from Jared Elliott, and mm-hmm. that's happened. And remember in, in college softball, the beast of a player from Oklahoma who transferred back to Nebraska through the transfer portal so she should make some money in her home state. Oh, yeah. Like she's from Nebraska, went to Oklahoma, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. has helped them win national championships. Now she's going back to Nebraska. Hey, the hey. transfer portal, give it and it take it away. Yeah, so don't complain about it. Don't complain don't about complain it, man. About Just it. get used to it. The Longhorns did land Matthew Golden through that transfer portal. We'll talk more about that coming up. And in the NFL, the top story, you know, Tennessee, Houston beat Tennessee, thanks to uh, Case Keenum and the Cowboys. It's really hard to, to, to even talk about, Rod. How do you go into a, a second big game? The, this is the, really the second biggest road game they've played this year. The first was San Francisco. And in both cases, there's not a phase of your team that plays well. Mm-mm. Not Co- a phase of your team. And got out-coached, too. Got out-coached, got out-played. That is – I, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I said last week, if the Cowboys win this game against Buffalo, I'll officially be nervous because I knew how big of a game it is. I know how good – I mean, Buffalo's 8-6, and six, and they were 7-6 and six going in, but we know their roster is talented, and it's underachieving. But if you can go on the road, win that game in Orchard Park, you know, continue the streak, now you got something. This was so far the opposite way. This was so disappointing. It was a no-show. I mean, if you go up there and lose 31-30, and it's a hell of a game. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. It's, it's the NFL. It's the NFL. Yeah. And Buffalo's been playing close games and playing in the margins all year long. That was – come on, man. Not one phase shows up to play. Mm-hmm. I don't – I mean – and then Micah Parsons and other guys afterwards, player leaders are talking about it's unacceptable. we got to figure it out. It's like – 
It's December, guys. I mean, and, come on. That's that, that. I'm with you. That's the troubling part. And I think for Cowboys fans, this is no shame in losing in the NFL, man. And every team, by the way, has got ugly losses you can point to. But for the Cowboys specifically, what I am troubled uh, about uh, concerning the Cowboys is the manner in which they won and how they did it, the blueprint to win. Because now it seems like on the road, when the Cowboys are away from home, there is a, there is a blueprint out. To, to try to beat the Cowboys, and it's a power run team. And this is the thing about about the Buffalo, right, and, and the way they won it. They had 22 rushes for at least five yards. So 46 carries total for like a 266 yards. By the way, that's a lot of rushes, guys. 46 rushes in a NFL game is a lot. All right? That means you couldn't get them off the field, and you could stop 22 of those were for at least five yards. Buffalo, we've been complaining about this team. For two years, E. Not running the ball. Not running the ball. They don't want to run the ball. Can't run the ball. Don't want to run the ball. Josh Allen is their biggest threat in the running game. He's the identity of their running game, and they can't have it. And you're telling me the coming out party for the Buffalo Bills run game is the against the Cowboys defense? When was the last time Buffalo had a running a, a rushing performance as good, E? With Josh Allen as a starting quarterback, I would probably say, I don't know if they've ever had one that's this good. In terms of with the traditional running game, usually it's Josh Allen. Yeah. He's like got a seventy of those running yards, yeah, they right? Just unleash James Cook. They unleash James Cook. A lot of fantasy owners out there are like, sweet, that was awesome. He had a co- um, career day. He had his best game as a pro against the Cowboys. He had two hundred twenty-one yards from scrimmage, most by a Bills player in any game since two thousand nine. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, that's disappointing. I think Cowboys fans are saying thing about Arizona. How did Arizona get off running the ball? Because you were away uh, from home yeah. and they ran power against and you. And San Francisco did the same thing. And, you know, what What happens when you leave that building um, is a problem. Because now, after this loss, and no matter what happens tonight with Philadelphia, Philadelphia plays the Monday Nighter with Seattle. Uh, there's a question on Jalen Hurts and his health. He's got a, a, an illness that he's dealing with. He's been downgraded to, uh, to questionable, Rod. But it's going to be one of those game time things. How does he feel today? Uh, they've been pumping them full of meds and whatnot. So either way, if the, if the Eagles win tonight, it's even worse for the Cowboys. But you're going to be on the road to start the play. You're going to be on the road in the playoffs. Yes, you will be. Yep. I mean that's what that's now what's yeah. officially happening here. Yeah. You're going to be on the road, uh, and you're right now. You'd be going to Tampa to play the red hot Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. And um, who's the running back for the Bucks? Rashad <laughs> that's White. What I more. Who is it? Rashad White. He's actually having a really good year. Uh oh, that ain't good. He's yeah, more of a receiver, but like receiving back though. Okay. Great fantasy well, player. I just, well, I just think when the, the 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 thing that the Buffalo Bills showed you was that when you play the Cowboys, you need to change your tendencies. If you're not a running a run heavy team, become one against the Cowboys. Now they were missing Jonathan Hankins, and that was big. We cannot discount how big of that loss was. But let's also say this: one of the reasons the Cowboys have not been exposed even at home by running teams is they get off to such quick starts. That's true. And they build leads, and then their pass rush and their defense scores touchdowns. And you gotta throw. And then you gotta throw. Yeah, you can't run. Yeah. And right. that's why it's so disappointing that I mean, if if your defense had had a bad day and your offense picked you up, and all of a sudden you're playing thirty-one thirty kind of football, but the offense was lame. I mean, it was it was just not good. It's like, what guys? What are we doing here? All right, let's uh, let's. By the way, bottom of the hour, I got to play a piece of because we're gonna play who said that for the end of the hour. Right? Oh yeah, I got a lot of audio for who said that. Uh, and I don't want to steal your who said that. But oh, no, no, hear, I got tons of it. Uh, so did, you hear, it. did you hear Chip Kelly? I did. That was a good one. That Chip was a good Kelly one. saying what we've all been saying out loud, uh, out loud, finally, after a, uh, a bowl game for his UCLA Bruins on Saturday. We'll play that at the bottom of the hour. That's good stuff. That will be a topic going into the rest of this week, I promise you, what Chip Kelly had to say. We'll play that for you bottom of the hour. But right now, let's get a rant with Rod. 
Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, I want to talk about the uh, the state title games uh, over the weekend um, and just how uh, no, phenomenal the DFW area is, how impressed the DFW area has been uh, in the last couple of years in high school football. But one thing, uh, my man E pointed this out, and it is also, also really impressive, that basically you had two teams facing off in the 6A state title games from the same district. Uh, and like both teams, right? Both of the Houston teams, representatives, Summit Creek and North Shore, were from the same district. That's District 216A in H-Town. Uh, and uh, Duncanville, who won the state title, and DeSoto, who won the state title, um, they were from the same district in Dallas. They called it the uh, District of Doom in Dallas, or the Doomsday District of D-Town, uh, District 116A, Duncanville, DeSoto, Waxahachie's in there, Cedar Hills is in there, Skyline, Mansfield, I mean, that is a hell of a district. Uh, the Houston District 216A, obviously the toughest one in H-Town, has a task of Cedar, so they had three double-digit win teams in that same uh, district. Uh, they're in the Kingwood, C.E. King's in it, Humble's in it, uh, really good district. And I would even throw out there, I think the third toughest district in Texas behind, obviously, those two might be 266A uh, in Central Texas with Westlake, Dripping Springs, Lake Travis. I mean, that is a really tough district, too, just kind of looking around the state in terms of 6A ball. One thing to keep in mind, we, we were talking about this earlier in the impressive fashion in which DeSoto uh, won their state title game against uh, Summer Creek. They beat them 74-14. to 14. They did set a new uh, record for the scoring in the state title game. So they broke the previous record, which was 63 points, scoring 74 points. Uh, and, you know, one of the uh, uh, records also that was broken, the uh, basically the matchup between Duncanville and North Shore featured the first Texas high school state championship game with two blackhead coaches. And the second one in the history of Texas high school football was the Soto versus uh, Summer Creek <laughs> uh, with Claude Mathis and Kenny Harrison. So that was pretty cool. They ended up breaking, uh, setting a kind of a new uh, standard there and uh, actually doing something that was unprecedented uh, with two black head coaches facing off in the Texas uh, state title game at the 6A level. One of the uh, storylines, and he brought it up earlier, and I was just going to uh, talk about it because I did some research on it, just going rabbit holing was about the the uh, tackle, the <laughs> the offensive lineman for DeSoto, Byron Washington, who's 6'8", 380 pounds. Here's the interesting thing about his, um, his growth, I guess, his, his growth spurt. Guys, it was actually considered a serious medical issue. His growth spurt happened so fast that it actually, uh, I think he had to have like emergency surgery as a result of it. Because apparently he grew six inches in a month. <laughs> I'm not making that up. He uh, said he grew six inches in a month and had to have rods inserted in his legs because his growth plates were going to collapse because you ain't supposed to grow that damn fast. So he's a freak in a lot of ways. He's six eight three eighty now, and there's a picture out there going viral of him just making some. I think there's this player that he's manhandling. He's like five eleven, dude. He's good size, but it doesn't matter. But his growth spurt, guys, was so crazy. 
it was so extraordinary that it, he grew six inches in one month and had to have rods inserted. So he doesn't even know how to handle his new body yet because it's kind of it's come out of nowhere. And that, that, that's a crazy story. That is, that's insane. Byron Washington is his name. Uh, you pointed out he's on Texas radar. They like big humans. Well, he might be the biggest human on the offensive line in Texas, potentially six eight three eighty, uh, and he's he's a junior, right? He still got one more year to play. Yeah. That's just freaky. Uh, so there you go. A lot of crazy little uh, nuggets from the state title games. DFW dominated. Let's talk about DFW for a second. How they dominated the state title games. Uh, they out of the twenty four teams that played in state title games from one A to six A. Ten of them were from Houston or DFW. Um, seven were from DFW. Uh, six of the uh, DFW teams ended up winning state titles. So half of your state title winners are just from the DFW area alone. And I pointed this out several times. If you go look at metro areas in, the, uh, in America that produce the most NFL players, most NFL draftable players, so players who have been drafted into the NFL, the only metro area that produces more NFL players or has since 2020 is Atlanta. All right, DFW is second based on my research in NFL players, uh, at least I should say uh, metro areas that produce the most NFL players since 2020. It's Atlanta, number one, uh, producing close to over 15 per year. <laughs> uh, DFW is at almost 13 per year in that time span. Uh, L.A. is a little over 11 per year. Miami in that same category right after L.A. and then Houston. So Atlanta, DFW, L.A., Miami, and Houston. So Texas is the only state with two metro areas in the top five most fertile recruiting grounds in the country, just metro areas alone. No other state has two of them like that. And Houston's in the top five. But that's how big of a gap DFW has now in talent and also in program uh, superiority over Houston. Houston used to be five, six years ago. Houston was winning their fair share of state titles and they were producing more NFL talent than DFW. And that is not the case anymore. They have better programs and they have better talent than DFW. I'm an H Town guy. Hard for me to admit that. It's amazing. It really is. And I, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, Mike Craven, who's a good friend of mine, our, my co host on the Eyes on Texas podcast that I do, he wrote a story uh, at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. It's online, you can read it for free. Uh, and it's about if, a, if an alien came down and landed and spent five days watching the high school football. <laughs> and just everything he learned and how amazing it is. That's and great. It, I like it's that. It's unlike anything you'd ever see. And it's really well written as anything Mike does. Is he's well right. And he's, uh, he, in one of his paragraphs, he says, each community is uniquely Texan. He says this. He says, uh, this John, he called him, would get a crash course on nearly every corner of the biggest state in the continental U.S., where, where else could one congregate with residents of Albany, Gunter, and Port Natchez Groves and South Oak Cliff in one building over a 96-hour period? Each community is uniquely Texan. And he points out that uh, from uh, the tiny town of Tidehaven, uh, enrollment, or Benjamin, six-man Benjamin with an enrollment of 44 in a town of 199 people to Crazy. 6A Division One champion Duncanville, which boasts enrollment of 4,577. Uh, and he also points out, to your point about the explosion of growth, and this is a big part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. There, you know, one of the state titles was won by Anna. Do you, yep. know, you know where Anna, Texas is, Rod? Collin County. I've... It is north of McKinney. So mm-hmm. if you – McKinney is where Texas is recruiting Xavier Philsame. So McKinney mm-hmm. is the big 6A school. But if you go north, you get through Melissa, and then you see Anna. 
And Anna, how about this, according to Mike Craven in this story, um, see if I can find the official stat here. Uh, it has grown from a town of 1,225 people in 2000 to almost 20,000 by 2020. Yeah, population <laughs> boost. No, no, that's a great point. You can, and there's a theory about this, and I was talking to Jerry Hamilton about it too. You can predict pretty accurately, actually, where the fertile, future fertile recruiting grounds of football and probably other sports are going to come from just on population booms and migration patterns 100%. in America. And why do you think well, you think uh, why do you think Central Texas high school football now is what it is? Yeah, because the population boom in Central Texas happened what 15, 20 years ago, and now all these young families they're having kids, and then you have more and more uh, basically more and more talent available yeah. to all these schools. Same thing happened in in Houston, and the same thing's happening right now in DFW. Same thing's happening right now in Arizona. Yeah, Phoenix, there, Greater Arizona, Phoenix, Phoenix Scottsdale. Yes, yeah, a lot of talent coming out of there right now. Well, and so especially in the state of Texas, where high school football is taken so seriously, and there's the period then for the football, resources, and the resources, and they, pump, they pump money into it. Good coaches. And I just drove up there this weekend to Denton. I mean, Denton is mm. kind of a, a parallel to the north of McKinney. Uh, so it's it's Denton is uh, that's where uh, oh, J T yeah. Sanders and mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Hill Jr. <laughs> for the Longhorns. I mean, it is so rich and it's so populated and you're right population booms and it's basically how you predict them you really can yeah you can see it coming, you can see it coming. Uh, and if you go to the south right you got the south dallas duncan you got south oak cliff duncanville uh, desoto mm-hmm. you keep going south you hear you hear like red oak right you're starting to hear the name red oh, oak. yeah you, exactly exactly good point and just keep going and, and of course happens here it happens everywhere when when the population grows and you know people move out of town right they go out to the burbs happened to where you at the Desai schools yep, where yep, you went to school Cypress, used to be just right. side creek and now it's like, like five sides out there oh, there's like 10 <laughs> Cypress something or other yeah. uh, but yeah it's happening right here in Austin Texas i mean the, the powers in, in high school football and sports in, in Austin used to be LBJ and Reagan and mm-hmm. now it's all moving east Maynard, Elgin yeah. Pflugerville up into Round Rock, same thing, you know, any direction you go. Butikyle, I mean, yep. it's just the way it works, and that's happening all Slipping over Dallas. Springs. But what you're pointing out is that in Dallas, it's the most fertile in the country for the most popular sport in the country. It is. It I is. mean, it's, it's the crop, and it's just yeah. ever-expanding. It, it, it's, it's, it's like, I thought it, it used to go back and forth between Houston and Dallas, and now Dallas has maintained this superiority for a long period of time, and I'm wondering if Houston's going to catch up. Because right now, like I said, only Atlanta – is producing more NFL players, drafting NFL players than DFW. And I think, honestly, DFW, at, at the rate they're going, they're going to catch Atlanta pretty soon. Well, and it's amazing. Somebody, <laughs> right? somebody uh, one, of, uh, one of our great listeners he cut, sent us the graphic of where these schools are within the state. Yep. And it's outside of Port and H.S. Grove. The state title winners. The state title winners for yeah. the, the, the 12 that were crowned over the weekend. Uh, outside of PNG – who won their first since seven. They lost to South Oak Cliff, or else the, the graphic would have been even more cl- crowded. Yeah. Shout it, out to Coach Joseph. Much, Coach Joseph, yeah, that's a, that's a legacy. Coach, that was your defensive coordinator, right, at Westlake? Yes. And yes. G- Gary Joseph was the longtime legendary Katie head coach when Katie oh, was the power. Oh, trust me, I remember that. His son is now at PNG, and he's won a state title within his third, second or third year. Oh, there. I didn't realize that. Okay. But so if, you, if, you, if South Oak Cliff had won that game, and it was a tough and tight game. It had been a third straight title. Pretty much state all title. 12 champions would be on a, on a line you could draw between, you know, west of Fort Worth and Alito, go east to Gilmer, and a little bit north. They're all along the I-30, I-20 corridor. There's no way that's ever happened in Texas high school I know. It's football a, history. It, and it's, it, it, when you see it, you're like, wow. And it was, at last year, that was the case, too. Yeah. It was the it, same it, thing. It really is. I mean, from, from west to Alito, from east to Gilmer, which Gilmer's down, what, 20 or 30, 
going east. Uh, it's it's all right there. It's all right there. They're getting the best coaches now, yep. too, and they got the better players. It's just, yeah. Uh, like I said, Houston is top five, by the way. I'm not talking. Yeah, it's not like it's too far behind. Yeah, Houston's <laughs> top five. But uh, DFW is ascending. Like I said, I think they're going to catch Atlanta in two years. And you know why? No, no I'm not mess. I'm not you know joking. I'm not pumping smoke here either, pumping sunshine. I think it's Texas development because Texas is focusing on the DFW area. And now Texas is finally developing talent. Longhorns. They're going to develop Colin Sim, developing JT Sanders into draftable prospects. That's what I'm tracking. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> if you're developing those players, you're going to be good. And they're getting, and they're, they're, they're focusing on DFW now. They have, you can tell now, they have made a concerted effort deliberately focused on DFW, and it's just smart. And not ignore Houston by any stretch, because Houston Summer Creek, who lost to Duncanville, or DeSoto, by 60, <laughs> they, they uh, produced Kelvin Banks, and uh, prospects yeah. coming. But uh, it, is, it is quite fertile, and you just said it. And it's pretty amazing to see in this huge state to have 12 champions really along one I-30 corridor from west to east. And 75% of our state's population is essentially in what they call the Texas Triangle. Sure. That's uh, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio. That, yep. uh, that's basically that triangle there. And still, DFW still that area. It's amazing. Austin's coming. Austin's coming. Austin's coming. I would say yeah. that, but uh, it's good stuff right there, Rod. That's a, what a weekend. Congrats! And if we want, we're you know, Desoto has a claim to be the best team in the country. I think they because Desoto yeah. with our friend Claude Mathis. Not only did they win their state championship game seventy-four to fourteen, so they won wow. by sixty points. <laughs> I mean, how does that happen in a state title game? They they beat Duncanville in the district during the year, and they hung 50 on them. And Duncanville will then won the state in the other bracket. And Duncanville's low. Dun- they, they can't have more talented Duncanville. Duncanville's got like five, Alan six. Simmons in January, yeah. and DeSoto beat them by double digits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is yeah. That talk about the district of doom. Yeah. If you were, yeah, what do you what what do you do if you're a bottom feeder in that district? What, what do you do? Yeah. You well. Know, what do you know. like? What's your hope? You, know, <laughs> you have any? Get better. <laughs> uh, we'll come back. We'll play that Chip Kelly audio. Who finally a coach saying several several have referred to it, but Chip Kelly just laid it out of what college football should look like in the future. We'll get you details. Also, we'll play some. Who said that before the end of the hour on a good, Who bad, and ugly that? Monday? There's Rod's rant. We're coming back. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Good, bad, and ugly on a Monday. Plenty of good. Texas volleyball, state championships over the weekend. Texans beat the Oilers. Thank goodness. Thank you, Case Keenum. <laughs> also, uh, uh, on the bad side, Cowboys. Bad and ugly for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. Uh, not pretty. Uh, they got rolled out of Buffalo yesterday, 31-10. Bills rushed for 266. That was ugly. Uh, on the other good side, the Longhorns, in addition to uh, the volleyball, the football side, Matthew Golden, uh, transfer portal target of Texas, commits to the Longhorns. It's big. Came Saturday. Uh, you know, whether you know it's two or three, or Andrew McCuba, uh, Trey Moore, there's going to be some other targets the Longhorns have. But right now the focus is on the high school hall that comes on Wednesday when the early signing window opens. You know, the, the – Longhorns have as many as 15 early enrollees coming. So the roster, whatever it looks like for the national championship game on Saturday or on two weeks from today, uh, will you know, change pretty dramatically right afterwards when they get back. If they play in the national championship game, it'll be the following mm-hmm. Monday. But then you're going to add 15 new players from the high school ranks and then whoever you get in the portal, and you're going to everyone else's careers will be over, of course, it's moving on. But uh, we'll get into that. Obviously, we've got a busy week covering all that for you, Rod. Um, you know, the portal, the recruiting, and where it's going while we get you ready simultaneously for the uh, 
the, yeah. the, the national semifinal. I mean, if we're if we think we're busy talking about it, imagine how busy the coaches are actually being <laughs> right in in now in that situation where they have to balance recruiting transfer portal. I guess recruiting is closed up now, so that was good. But they were yeah. balancing recruiting. Midnight last night, portal. we went dark. Yeah, and preparing for Washington, too. I mean, that's a lot. And, by the way, you still got to recruit your own guys. Don't yeah, forget you got to keep your – well, keep. by the way, speaking of that, did, did you know that's emerged over the weekend that the most, you know, crystal ball predictor for where Malik Murphy's going to go? Have you seen oh, yeah. this? Um, no, I've, saw, I've seen some options, but what, which one has the, the best The one I saw yesterday chance. was Duke. That Duke has emerged. as a, And Manny Diaz is the new coach at Duke. Uh, I don't know. Interesting. Who's going to be OC? That's what I don't know. Yeah. But, Duke, I mean, that would obviously tell you the young guy's got a you know, great head on his shoulders. He wants to get a great degree. I mean, Duke is a great school. Well, you've got to have good grades to get into Duke yeah, anyway. Right. So, it means he's already got now, some I'm not pretty saying, I'm not reporting grades. Malik to Duke. That just was a report I saw. So, keep an eye on that. But Duke, Baylor, uh, Oregon State was a name. Um, and, like, uh, you know, when the kid from Oregon Ohio State. Oregon State's not bad. When the kid uh, from, from – uh, from Ohio State, McCord, Kyle mm-hmm. McCord entered the portal. Everybody, you know, he ended up committed to Syracuse over the weekend. Yep. So, uh, you keep did an eye on the figure portal. figure out why he, he – did, he, did he get pushed out there? I think so. I think there's a lot of those guys on Ohio State that were, I don't know, told we we're going to go recruit other people. Because a lot of times if you, it's either the player wants to leave or the coaches are I mean, telling he, you. He didn't have a terrible year, though. No, he, it wasn't bad I mean, at all. Syrac- well, from think, Ohio State to Syracuse, that's, that seems well, like we'll a see, huge drop we'll, off. We'll see who Ohio State lands. Uh, as their next quarterback. They also have the kid Devin Brown, the quarterback who Kyle McCord beat out, who was the younger player. Because remember, Kyle McCord had, had been waited and yeah. was waiting behind C.J. Stroud. And Devin Brown is the, another five-star. He's in their program. He, he very well could be. Remember, Texas recruited him. Yep. Sark was on him. Right. So that's a name to watch, too. But, oh, but you can expect they're going to add one of these portal quarterbacks. But we'll keep an eye on it. That is uh, the madness that's going on high school and college. By the way, on the high school thing, that was a great rant, Rod, about DFW. And as I said, a visual of – because, look, because this is – if you've seen the athletic facilities in the DFW area, they're insane. This is my cousin lives in Gunter and teaches at Anna, double state titles. Look, what Rod, I think what Rod is saying, what we're illustrating, is you know any agronomist or farmer would tell you what makes a great crop is the soil, right? You've got to have the right soil to yeah. grow healthy crops. The soil in DFW and greater DFW for 100 miles in any direction Man. is where it's, the players are coming from. It's fertile. It's, it's, not, it, it's where the championships are coming from. Yep. So it's a fertile soil. Well, and, so it's not, it's and not, high-level players, though. That's why the DFW that's right. is they, a, They're producing a, both. That's a population boom <laughs> meeting great soil, yeah. which means, well, then the, they're getting the best coaches. They do have the best facilities. They are yes. you know, developing these players. It's everything. It's all of it. Yep. They check uh, all the boxes. You're right about it. It's a great point because they, 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 they put a lot of money into – Oh. Their programs, so they get the best coaches who develop talent the best, and then now because of the population booms, they're getting access to the best talent. Yeah, and and, and the coaches from the other big programs are moving on to start in these small schools yep. that are coming online where the rooftops are all being yeah, built. Yeah, that, co- that coach at Anna, he ain't gonna be there for long. No, <laughs> he, gonna he be probably a, came from Duncanville. He, or he a, probably came from yeah, Desoto. Or something, be in DFW you know? pretty soon, going right. back. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, it, and it just grows the whole thing, and then the competition builds competition, which builds competition. Yeah, you're seeing it right there in the great. DFW and greater meaning, I think, 100 miles in any direction. Yeah, I'm you want to go. It's hey, can we uh, play this? Now we're going to play some Who Said That coming up. I want to tell you who, who this is, Rod. So listen to this. This was, uh, or, you know, there were bowl games over the weekend. Texas Tech, by the way, props to Joey McGuire. They got hey, the bowl win, another okay. resounding bowl win. They beat Cal on yep. Saturday night. Uh, but UCLA played in a bowl game. I don't know if they won or lost. Oh, Aaron, uh, I, don't, Chip, I, don't, I don't think you sent me this, by the way. 
I wasn't. Oh, I didn't send you the chip, Kelly. No, no, I did not find it. It might have, because internet issues might be. It might have gotten. Yeah. Well, it might have went through. Well, will you find it tight? It's it's uh it's it's everywhere. Oh, I got it all over the world. I actually got it right here. Yeah, I'll try to send it to him because I yeah I was sending some stuff on my phone and it wasn't always going through. So I got it for you. All right. Well, if you send it to him, I want to play this because and I preference reference this because you know this is going to be the conversation we've had it Uh, on this show before many times. Right, I predicted that this when 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 conference realignment began going in mass and it looked pretty obvious. To anybody that was paying attention, that it was going to go to, you know, four power conferences. Yeah. The the obvious next step is that it's going to that that football will separate from the NCAA. Too much revenue. Too much revenue. Just, Those yeah. 64, 68, or whatever the number of teams is, it settles on. Yeah. Will move. They'll split, and because they need some guidance, they need guardrails. But the NCAA can't provide guardrails for all the levels of football when they're so dramatically different. Well, that this well, you know, who's going to be there? Well, here's Chip Kelly, the head coach at, at UCLA who's also been in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles and, and the 49ers. Here was Chip Kelly, who had a pretty novel idea about where college football is going and should go. What is the, the biggest issue that you might have right now, whether it be realignment, NIL, transfer portal, and what would your, your plan maybe be to, to try to solve it? I think they're all a problem, and I think we need to have a conference commissioner. I think football should be separate from the other sports. Just the fact that our school is leaving to go to the Big Ten in football, our, our softball team should be playing Arizona in softball. Our basketball team should be playing Arizona in basketball, but because football left. And they're saying, well, how do you do that? Well, Notre Dame's independent in football, and they're in a conference and everything else. I think we should all be independent in football. And you can have a 64-team conference that's in the Power Five, and you can have a 64-team conference in the Group of Five, and we separate it, and we play each other. You can have the West Coast teams, and then every year we play seven games against the West Coast teams, and then we play the East. So we play Syracuse, Boston College, Pitt, West Virginia, Virginia. Then the next year you play against the South while you still play your seven teams. You can play a seven-game schedule. You can play four against another conference, another division opponent, and you can always play against one Mountain West team every year so that we can still keep those rivalries going. Not that I've really thought about this. <laughs> Not that I've a lot of spent a time on this. But I think if you went together collectively as a group and said there's 132 teams and we all share, in the, same ter- we all share the same TV contract, so that the Mountain West doesn't have one and the Sun Belt doesn't have another and SEC has one and they have another, that we all go together. That's a lot of games, and there's a lot of people in the TV world that would go through it. You can sponsor each one. Instead of calling it Group of Five and Power Five, you can call it Amazon, Nike, bid that out to things. You do a lot of different things. But I think if we still do the same thing and take all that money, and I would do this, and I think this needs to be done, that money now needs to be shared with the student-athletes, and there needs to be revenue sharing, and the players should get paid, and you can get rid of NLI, and the schools should be paying the players because the players are what the product is. And the fact that they don't get paid is really the biggest travesty. Thank you, Coach. There's Chip Kelly. Wow. Professional college and football. And the players need to get a piece. Yeah. You know, Jim Harbaugh said it too. More and more coaches starting to come out publicly and say, give the players a piece. Because really? it's, it's now you're talking about a billion dollar arm of the sports industrial complex. Now it ain't like now we we're not talking about amateurism and student athletes anymore. Billions of dollars, I, and we're only and it, you know both. It started <laughs> with a great point and it ended with a great point that you know when when UCLA and USC moved to the Big Ten, their other sports are going too. Why? It's all be driven by football, and yeah. the football revenue pays for everything else. Why? You're making their lives more difficult. Yes. <laughs> so keep them out there, but yeah. let football travel. Because it's only once a week. And they got the money to do it. And they got the money to do it. And they're paying for everybody else. Yeah. 
and you're going to be able to make enough money by, by selling this thing as one big pack. Now, the conferences would fight this, but at the same time, I, I see where he's going big picture. It makes a lot of sense. We'll pick that up. We'll, we'll talk about that they later. They have to have a fund, basically, that the, the, the old school, you're talking about the 64 or whatever, that they devote a certain amount of money back to the other sports. That's all they have to do. They'll, they'll pool a certain amount 100%. of money. It'll be a fund. I don't know how many hundreds of millions. And they'll be like, hey, this is for y'all every year. Y'all get this hundred, 200 million every year. Leave us alone. Yeah, we'll do the rest. <laughs> go, we'll do the rest. We'll earn you out of money. And, look, and it'll go up every year. It'll go up every year as we make more money. Right, and it's professional yeah. college football. It really was. It yeah. is. It's really – and it's, it's, we're there anyhow. Yeah. Uh, you just, because if you're, if you're going to put guardrails and systems in place to regulate it, who's going to do that? And how do you do that? That becomes the question. It yeah. can't be the NCAA, and they can't – but the NCAA still needs to run all the other sports. Like yeah. We just saw the volleyball championship. They have their hands full. Basketball. Yeah. they got plenty to do. Yep. Let football run football and pay for everybody else. We'll come back. Uh, when we do, Rod, who said, who that, said that on a Monday? Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the horn. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? All right, Rod Babers, who said it? We just heard some compelling audio from uh, Chip Kelly. We heard good audio this morning from, uh, well, not good audio from the Cowboys side of things in their locker room, but also the – uh, the coach at Nebraska made everybody mad after Texas whipped him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we have? What do you have for me? And who said that? We try to guess who said what from the weekend. We got a bunch of good clips. Obviously, the weekend full of uh, great uh, sports headlines. And we got some great pieces of audio for you. All right, Ty, just uh, dial up any one of those clips I sent you so we can play. Who said that? You know, Texas played a game against Oklahoma State, which was a legendary game. In fact, they're down. I believe it was. 17 at half, right around there, down to 16 at half to Oklahoma State. And I've had three different people tell me this story, and I've confirmed it with with people in the room, in the locker room. Oklahoma State's not a great team that year. This is Mike Gundy's, I believe, first year, maybe second year, but they're just trying to get their footing. Texas is a juggernaut. They're, They're number two in the country. They're undefeated. They go to Stillwater, and they're down 16 at half. They go in at halftime. It's a small locker room. It's not a great locker room there at at, uh, Oklahoma State. They were doing construction. They were kind of building what T. Boone Pickens has now built as as their stadium. And Mac Brown starts yelling, turning over tables, you know, hitting stuff. Like, come on. And Vince stops him. He's like, yo, out. I've had this confirmed to me. He told Mac Brown to leave the locker room. He turns to his teammates and he says, hey, I got this, and turns on a boombox. True story. Confirmed by three different people. What did Vince do? He went out. He ran for 267 yards that day. They end up winning that game by, I believe, 17. From down 16 to winning by 17. That's the type of player. This guy could turn it on at any moment. That is awesome. Uh, he is him and was him, Vince Young. Uh, and Mac Brown got the National Coach of the Year that year. That's great. <laughs> For getting out of the locker room. Get out of the way. Uh, that, was, uh, that was actually Joe Platt. Joe Platt. That was yeah, Joe Platt. telling the story. But I, I had never heard that story, actually. Um, and I, was, I thought that was pretty interesting. And honestly, I think we all, we all believe it, too. It's like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds about right. Like, you are like, I got this, Coach. Calm down. Turn the boom box on. I would love to know what song was playing. That's, That's the only detail I want to know. That's what song did he turn up on the, on the music, on the boom box there? And they got their – 
S. Oh. They got their sugar together. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they well, did. Well, you got to understand, Mac being mad, it's that everything's coming apart. Here. Oh, yeah. So this is, we're going to win the national. We already beat Ohio State. We're going to win the national championship. We win the Easy job. Is it easiest coaching job Mac ever had. <laughs> Just oh, let man. that guy be him. By the way, that was a smart move by Mac. Because remember, at first, Mac, they weren't letting VY be him, and VY was thinking about leaving. That's exactly we know right. that now, and then Mac and Greg Davis got together and said, "Why are we listen? This this guy is a hell of a ball player. Why are we trying to put him in a box and force him to be something that he's not? Let him be him. Let's just see if he leads us to the promised land." Yeah. and he did. He did. And he did. He did. Uh, <laughs> Get and, out of the way sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you do. I mean, <laughs> the players have to take. I mean, Sark has talked about that when Roshan Johnson yeah. helped bring the players, the coach, the locker room to, the, to this new coaching staff in year exactly. one. Then after that Iowa State game, it was Roshan that stood up and said, guys, these are good coaches. We mm-hmm. either get behind them or we, you get to get out. Yep. And guys like Bichon, Bichon stood up behind him and said, yeah, come on, y'all. I mean, you know, that's, that's where you start weeding people out, but it takes the players. Coaches can only yell so much. Uh, speaking of coaches yelling, who said this, Rod, after uh, a big win yesterday? Man, so proud of you guys, man. We talked about getting to eight. We got to eight. Great job. Great job, Nate. Hey, shout out Case. Awesome job, man. D'Amico. And he gave the game ball to Kaimi Fairbairn, the nice. kicker. 54-yard field goal as uh, overtime was expiring. It's clutch kick, man. 19-16. And to the point about his D-line and the defense, Derrick Henry yesterday against the – remember all the huge 200-yard games he's had against the Texans the last oh, yeah. three or four years? Yep. Derrick Henry, 16 carries, 9 yards. I don't know. I, I got to go look and look at his – game log throughout his career. I don't know if he's had a game that bad. He was getting game wrecked every time he took the ball. They, he couldn't get – every time he touched the ball, they were in the backfield on him. I know. I don't think he's had a game that bad. I'm going to go back and look. I don't know if he's had a game that bad. 16 carries, 9 yards. So, yeah. I take that back. He did have 34 uh, yards just today. <laughs> so, he actually, this year, he is, does not look good. Yeah, actually. well, that's you got to turn if you're D'Amico Ryan. Because yeah, the previous yeah, years, yeah. he was used. Winning fantasy leagues for people mm-hmm. against the Texans. Uh, I would say this too because the Texans fell behind 13 nothing. They went Titan went down and scored on their first drive, and then there was a pick six. But the Texans really dominated the game from that point on. They outscored them 19 to three, and yeah. that was a culture win. That was a I agree with step that. up. What do you got? Pride kind of win, Rod. Doesn't mean I mean we know Texans on the right track. Big picture, they're probably not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but that was a big win. Cowboys meanwhile took a back a step backwards in a big way yesterday. Yeah, now you're right about that. But, you know, just one game, just like the Texans and Jets last week. Just one game, but really could be costly for the Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk about that coming back. Also, where the NFL stands with three games to go. It's a wild one. Uh, More quarterbacks getting hurt. Week 15, more of the same. We'll pick it up on the other side. The Fabulous Fifth Hour is next.